Suns fans, you know what time it is in the PHX. Empire of the Suns. Phoenix Suns. The Empire of the Suns podcast is brought to you by Sonic. Mmm, Sonic. Empire of the Suns. Hello there. Welcome to the Empire of the Suns podcast. My name is Kellen Olson. I'm joined, as always, by Kevin Zimmerman. What's up, man? We're here. We're here for the trade deadline on this Thursday, and the Suns will be... Do you think they're active because, or do you think they have so little, they're just like, let's see what comes through our phone lines? Because for me, it's more about, like, who's calling them? What's out there? So far, there's not much noise. And obviously, they're done with this road trip, so we can we can start there probably, right? Spilling the tea a little early, my man. It's we'll called get, a tease. We'll get there. We'll get there. We'll get there. But T-E-A is part of the tease. Okay. Don't hey, spill can't it. Spell, yeah, you can't spell yeah, it Don't without. spill it. You got to present tease. it to your audience without the shaky hands. Yeah. I'm your hands are shaky. shaking. Yeah, I'm shaky. Mom Spaghetti, get us together. <laughs> the Phoenix Suns went 4-3 and three on their road trip, Kevin. A acceptable, solid result. Um, I think that more of the takeaway here is that they easily could have gone five and two, six and one, seven and zero. Oh. I don't yeah. know how you felt about the Hawks game necessarily, but we talked about the Indiana and Orlando games already. Uh, they beat the Nets. Kevin Durant's uh, homecoming to Brooklyn at long last. Atlanta. It's just more of the same thing again. We that was our last week's episode. We're not really going to do that this time. Uh, and then Washington was uh, Bradley Beal going nuts and the Wizards looking like they just woke up. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that, that was those games, and we're not really going to focus on them necessarily because not necessarily a milestone, but one of those like, huh, oh, that's right moments is that we are now 15 games into Devin Booker, Bradley Beal, and Kevin Durant being healthy consecutively in games, which, one, you can use this time to blame me when one of them gets hurt and say that I was the person to jinx it. But two... This is enough of a sample size for us to really go off of and diagnose where the team is at right now. And I covered a lot of that uh, looking at the Wizards win specifically. And some of my main takeaways were uh, Bradley Beal needs to play better, which we saw against Washington. But him starting to look like himself, basically what happened is Beal was playing this low low usage, excuse me, low usage role and looked like the perfect third banana for four or five games. There was the game in New Orleans where he was like guarding Zion for stretches. He was really, really good. He gets hit in the face, breaks his nose, and then across those next, I believe, four or five games, he shoots 35% from the field, including three of 24 from three, goes into this Washington game, finds a rhythm again, shoots 16 of 21 overall, scores 43 points. 26 of those were in the first half. But really where the... You watch the games, and it's telling you that Beal needs to uh, step up, but then you um, look at the numbers, and they tell you as well that, that Beal needs to step up because you watch this, and Washington, they weren't playing defense against anyone, to be fair. But if you're watching who defenses are trying to take away the most, it is definitely Booker and Durant, mm-hmm. like separated in their own tier by probably two or three tiers, and then Beal is in the next one. A lot of teams are trust, are treating Beal not so much that he's a non-shooter, but someone they're willing to help off of. 
And that is extremely surprising to see because Beal has cemented himself for over a decade as a really good shooter in this league. He has not been a really good shooter this year. Um, He has not been a solid shooter this year. When he's been wide open on threes this year, he's shooting under 32% from the field. If you look at his three-point attempts compared to Booker and Durant with the tracking data that uh, admittedly is wonky but tells you where defenders are, he's pretty much taking all of his with space while Booker and Durant are taking a good percentage with a defender near them. That's not really what Beal is doing at all on this team. Um, So he is a guy that should be shooting the best. For example, Booker on wide open threes this year is shooting, I think, 45 46% this year, whereas Beal's at 32, which coming into the year, we looked at all these same kind of numbers, and his catch-and-shoot numbers were really good. His wide-open numbers were really good, which indicated that when he has time, when he's in a catch-and-shoot role, it's going to go really well. This is not to say that it is without reason as to why this is happening. He has been in a situation right now where he hasn't been able to get a rhythm. He hasn't been able to establish himself. And in this middle, in the middle of this 15 games, he breaks his freaking nose and has to play through this injury that's going on. But I think the main thing to watch for, for me, over the next four to six weeks is if he can start to look like Bradley Beal again, because he's really honest with a lot of what he says after games and stuff, and I'm sure he'll be the first guy to tell you that along with those three-point numbers, but just his play in general, he's got so much more that he can provide, again, for Suns fans not initiated. Three-time All-Star, third-team All-NBA in 2020-21 season when he averaged 31 points a game. He's an excellent basketball player, and he's he's been he's been solid this year, and they they just need more out of him, especially with the amount of money that he's making. To be clear, I expect that to happen, but we're at game fifty one, fifty two of the season right now, and it's at that point now where he really needs to start to get going now, or else they're not going to be as big of a threat uh, that we thought they could be. Yeah, it's I mean, go back and look at the the Suns games against Washington. He looked like that Booker guy on on a bad team where he kind of was should have been demanding the double teams and he's definitely not going to get those in this by the way we miss, missed uh what thursday devin booker made the all-star team as a reserve mm-hmm. that's very nice but he made that because coaches know and you can tell by how they react to him on the court sending doubles his way sending doubles katie's way and it's really easy to see why beal has all those open shots so i mean i you go look at it i mean i think he's just feeling things out maybe trying to pass a lot like he had a nine assist game 10 assist game a couple games back when when he had a low scoring output um and like that's great but again these three guys are at their best when they're attacking and they just need to find him spots and i do think like book getting in foul trouble in washington really I was like, hey, this is a great opportunity for like Beal to learn. Okay, I only have Durant to worry about. That going up to number two for a significant stretch really did kind of click on him mentally, it looked like. like, And maybe being at home, his old home kind of mattered too. Just click on that, okay, I need to be aggressive. And yeah, if I make plays out of this, so be it. But he needs to score. And um, I, I think, I don't know if they're going to... They're probably not going to take the Charles Barkley route of benching the guy, but they're going to have to like feel out what makes him turn that on in his head, and he's going to have to get used to that. And like you said, I think it is more about comfort, and once you get a couple more games, again, 15 games of them being together under his belt especially, that's the next step. And then we can have conversations about, okay all three of the big three are clicking now what but 
Yeah, I mean, I'm not super concerned about Bradley Beal. Um, it's just an important reminder, like, hey, it's February now, and they've got to figure that out quick before they get into the more detailed things. The main numbers that have me back this up, and to be clear, something you thought of when you said that is, we both came into the season saying, Bradley Beal has the toughest job out of anyone on the entire team. And doing what Chris Bosh did, doing what others did in this kind of third banana roll, whatever you want to call it, is extremely difficult. And that's to your point. And what I'm saying is that he needs to be in that low usage role sometimes. And then there are other times where, hey, you need to demand, like not demand, command the, these three to four minutes coming. Yeah. And we need you to be all NBA guy for these four minutes. But your other 26 minutes, we need you. Like, it's, it's a or, really tough or thing. Or if you are running point, run point in an aggressive mindset and attack out of it more a little and not... That's that's the weird part about the point guard thing. It's like, okay, when they have it, like, they're well, they're playing a little, a little not like themselves. All three of them, to some degree. Book's good at it. The other two, not as much. To that point, those 15 games in a, like, made me sit up in my chair thing when I'm looking through all these numbers and stuff. When Devin Booker is on the floor across these 15 games, 545 minutes, the Suns have an offensive rating of 126.7. That is nuclear. A 113 defensive rating. That is more than good enough to win a championship. That's, like, top 10 in the league, I want to say, off the top of my head. And when he's off the court, it is just a completely different story to the point where it makes you even more critical of Beal and to a certain extent Durant as well. Because when Booker is off the floor over these 15 games, that's 175 total minutes. Their offensive rating drops, again, 126.7. It goes down to 103.5. That is, we're throwing the ball to Bernard King. Offensive rating numbers. That's like 2021, 22 Thunder for worse. That was the last one because when I was running it, I remember that. One of those very bad Thunder teams. I'm talking like that's the stone age of basketball, 103.5 okay. offensive rating, just with pace and all that kind of stuff and no one taking threes. The defensive rating jumps to 121.4. That altogether is a negative 17.9 defensive rating, or uh, net rating, excuse me, and then the net rating overall for when Booker is on the floor is 13.7. So that's a difference of like 30 points per 100 possessions in those little pockets of the game when he says at the start of the second to the start of the fourth. Here's the thing, Kev. Everyone's suggesting rotation changes and stuff. Why doesn't Booker come out a little earlier? Why isn't he He's still going to be off the floor. You yeah. cannot just keep him on the floor for 40 minutes a game in the regular season. You can't do it. Now, this is going to become less of a problem in the postseason when he's playing 40 to 42 minutes a game, probably. But with that being said, it's still a problem right now. Uh, and it's something that they need to figure out. They're going to have these 12 to 16 minutes, and you need to preserve him for the playoffs. So you cannot be playing him 39, 41 minutes a night um, with where he's going. Some of the other numbers, when Bradley Beal is off the floor, the offensive rating of the team is 120.3, which is really, really good for Kevin Durant, who might be, I think, in my opinion, is the best offensive player in the history of the game. 117.7, which is pretty darn good. For comparison, the Suns' offensive rating on the season itself is 118.2, which is seventh in the NBA. So they're still a top 10 offense when Kevin Durant is off the floor. But they again, they turn into like the Washington Bullets when, <laughs> when Devin Booker is off the floor. And I don't really understand. Uh, I do understand why. But the drastic change, uh, the number one uh, bit of data that stands out with what changes and everything, 
Assist to turnover ratio, Booker 2.33 when he is on the floor, which again, we're talking that's top three in the league right there. 1.02 when he is off the floor. That is a full half mm. point worse than the team in last this year. Like that is when we're dealing with two points being good, then half of, or a point off is not good. It's really incomparable. It's <laughs> yeah, 1.02 is really again the I think the team that was in last was Portland with like a 1.52, and yeah. then the the like someone in 29, I think the Pelicans or something, uh, Magic maybe were. Um, like 169. So that is by far and away like that that's brutal. So I say all of that in a way where again to that conversation we're going to but something we're going to talk about a little later point guard which is like do they need a point guard? No. Could could they use a spot guy for 12 minutes a game? Yes, mm-hmm. because we're at that point now. It's been we watched over a month of these guys play and the minutes the offense is just not good. It's very very bad in fact. It's historically bad when Booker is off the floor now for those little chunks of minutes. But didn't want to move on from that conversation without giving our due credit to watch out what you're saying on the internet, people. Oh. He'll come find you, Mr. Yusuf Nurkic. Oh. <laughs> when he's on the floor over these 15 games, the offensive rating is even better than Booker's. It's 127.9. Net rating overall, 12.12. The defense is really solid. When he's off the floor, it drops to 112.7. Defensive rating holds in a solid spot at 114. Point three. What about moving him to the bench? <laughs> well, not not like not starting, but like is that a crossover more when there's non-Booker minutes? Is this like a forty chess thing you're doing, I or are you know. being serious? I'm being serious to run the uh, offense through him when Booker's not there, and just not. See, I thought you were. I but like that. That requires a whole new offense to be installed. Because he and responded today to the Charles Barkley thing about yeah. Beal coming off the bench. I thought you were doing no, some like Galaxy Brain stuff. I wasn't okay. doing Galaxy Brain stuff. Okay, I give you too much credit sometimes, don't no. I? No. Nurkic over those fourteen games that he's played in of the fifteen where they've been healthy, he is shooting fifty nine point four percent from the field. Holy smokes, Kev, that is actually solid efficiency Man. for a center. <laughs> Before that. 48.7 in the 33 games prior was his field goal percentage. Wouldn't you know it, having these three elite offensive players around him, setting him up, and I think more importantly... Spacing. Spacing. Uh, Mike Veal had the nice clip yesterday where it's like when he brings the ball up or if he's in the um, in the initiation role at the top of the key, at the top of the circle, whatever you want to call it, the elbow... Uh, this ain't the Pac-12. You can't just sit there under the rim and let him cook and like be like, go ahead and take a mid-range jumper. You have to stand in the key or, or not or guard him. Basically, yeah. uh, you can't just stand in the key. So when he does that, there's space, mm-hmm. and when he brings the ball up, there's even more space. Um, and he's just been phenomenal with that in particular. Something I wanted to bring up is there are times where the Suns would force feed either. JaVale McGee or Bismack Biombo, and people would be very confused and very angry and be like, why are they doing this? There is an innate b- thing in basketball where empowering your big man is a very big thing and showing confidence in your big man being like, we are going to get you the ball, keep working, you're doing the hardest job on the floor, keep running up and down, keep rebounding, keep banging inside, we're going to find you the ball. There is a certain level of, again, intuition there to giving them the ball. And you oh, can hey, see- did Mikel Bredges switch off? on you sir yeah. we should probably give you the ball we're not going to miss you it's going to keep coming keep fighting for a position we're going to get it to you and 
you can tell that all of his teammates have the utmost confidence in the world. They're not going to look him off. They're not going to do any of that type of stuff. They are going to get him the ball, and wouldn't you know it, his confidence is is there. I think that was the big battle with D.A. over the last couple of years, that they would get him the ball in those situations sometimes, and then he would not repay the favor. Nurkic is repaying the favor right now. By the way, like first 10, 15 games of the year, he was having some of those inconsistent, like not looking very confident moments, but they've just untapped this very confident version of him that has been there in the past in his career because they are empowering him, because they are making him a legitimate part of the offense. Because, hey, um, there was one play where he was at the top of the key and he was the guy basically making the decision and Booker was on the left wing. He was kind of coming around ready to come get the ball, but Nurkic went the other way instead and was like, no, we're going to get Brad the ball again. And then Brad came around and like, that's him being the quote unquote point guard from like media day or whatever. He's the guy making the decision on what they're going to run. Like he can go either way there, but he went to get Brad the ball. It worked out to a good possession, all that kind of stuff. He's been, Really, really good, and I don't. It, I, I wanted to call him a top ten center the, over the last month in the league, but st- the center position is incredibly deep and really, really, really good. Like the eighth best center in the league is probably like I don't want to butcher the rankings here or whatever of guys, but it's still someone really, really good who could be an all star probably. So I didn't want to go that far, but he has been. I was someone you you and I were both more optimistic than most on what he could provide. But with that being said, I don't think we expect him to be capable of stretches like this. And he's been really darn good and to the point where, yeah, maybe he's not going to close playoff games, but they need him for those other 24, 28 minutes or whatever to start the game. Like, Mm -hmm. if he gets played off the floor, so be it. But at the start, they need to see if it works because they're a different, far better team when he's out there. And he's – I think that he is the one guy – who can not get hurt outside of the big three? I think like if I had to rank like who can who do they value who's the most valuable to this team outside the big three? He's probably number one for me because there's not a viable option behind him. And also, by the way, when we talk about what teams are serious matchups, it's Nuggets, it's Clippers, and those guys have big guys like for the same reasons Nurkic's value doesn't get enough juice. Like Zubox has been on that team rock solid at center whatever their iterations have been of their star players the last few years for a reason um and again it's like okay you want to play off the 300 pound 280 pound dude fine but you better be really really efficient when you go at that and if he's played off then they're gonna lose something but it, it's tough to do and i think that's what nurk can be for this team um plus the offensive stuff like also um not just throwing in the post, but just as a role man, people don't think of a slow, non-jumping guy to be like gravity, but the Nets game was another example of, yeah, if KD is finding him, like I think five of his eight assists or whatever were to Nurk in roles, basically, um, then like that that's really good and it, there's value to it and then your threes start opening up and all that good stuff. So, yeah, I mean... Most important dude outside the big three, I would agree with that too. The trade deadline is Thursday afternoon. I think one o'clock local time is what we're looking at here. And the Phoenix Suns have some work to do. They have limited assets, but they have work to do. And to your point with what you were talking about, there is going to be some like first round picks being tradable that are going to open up over the next year or two, like future, future first round picks if they want to keep not putting themselves in the hole necessarily, but keep eating into that future draft pick reserve. 
but they have limited assets right now. Um, Nasir Little is the one guy who comes to mind that we've talked about previously just because he is one of the three guys. This is how the uh, roster works, Kev. Kevin Durant makes $47 million a year. Bradley Beal makes $46 million a year. Devin Booker makes $36 million a year. And then you've got Nurkic at 16.8. Grayson Allen on a one-year expiring, 8.9. And then there's Nas Little, $6.2 million the first year of a four-year $28 million deal. And then after that, it is a bunch of guys on minimum contracts. So typically to facilitate trades, if you're kind of new to this thing, those mid-tier contracts are valuable for making certain trades happen around this time of year, specifically when in-season it's more difficult to make things happen. That's why Little logically makes sense. The background here, he hasn't really played much this year. He's kind of There's a nagging knee injury. There was a nagging other thing that kind of kept him out, and he has sort of, since getting healthy in the last couple of weeks, has been sort of phased out of the rotation, essentially. It's been a Kogi, maybe KBD in some stretches, and it looks like more so Bull Bull for that other wing spot because you got Eric Gordon, you got Eubanks, you got a Kogi, and then it's like that ninth wild card spot, if you want to call it that. He hasn't been getting those minutes. He has at times. At times, he's played well. At times, he has not. You can look at his deal and say, okay, he's not playing on this team. You can't trade that contract. It is not the right way to look at it because he's on a $28 million deal and contracts are getting more and more expensive by the year. By the back half of that deal, it's going to be really cheap and like not close to the minimum per se, but Eric Gordon, who's on the high, high tier of minimum contracts because he's been around the league forever, makes 3.2 this year. Like He, he makes half, so it's, it's not completely out of this world to put the contract in that same kind of range. And he is a guy who is 23 years old, who has a ton of fans around the league. There are plenty of smart basketball people who saw the DeAndre Ayton trade and were like, Nas Little is going to be the guy who swings that trade for them in their favor. That hasn't happened necessarily, and that's not to do a ha-ha, told you so kind of thing. It's more of a... Yet. He is going to have some interest around the league. Now, how much interest is he going to have? Is it going to be enough to facilitate a kind of deal right here? We don't know because you have to attach assets to him beyond that to make a deal work for someone who could fit into your rotation. And here's where we're at. This is nearly mathematically impossible at this point in the season already. But from the campaign trade, which, by the way, to the backup point guard talk to rehash something from a couple months ago where we didn't want to speak on if that looked like luxury tax stuff or not before we saw the rest of the offseason. It looks like it was luxury tax stuff. They traded away campaign to save money and save them $26 million. That's something you got to do sometimes. You got pick, two picks. They got this uh, Spurs pick, I believe. They, they got two yeah. picks, and then they got it. There's a swap somewhere in there, I believe. So again, we're, we're not we're not completely. And the jury they, is not yeah. totally out, but it's starting to exit. Everyone is starting to form a line at the door, basically, on what that trade was about. They have the Spurs second round pick next year, but it is heavily protected, 31 to 54. So unless the Spurs go uh, undefeated the rest of the year, <laughs> then uh, yeah. that pick is going back to the Spurs, and then the Suns don't see it's anything from there. Uh, they own a 2026 second round pick, which is the least favorable between the Pistons, who will probably maybe. I don't. Here's the thing. We're now with the rest of these picks. We're talking so far down the line. We can't sit here and say, "Yeah, the Bucks." It'll be the Bucks' second round pick because they have. It's like, will Giannis even be in Milwaukee? Then I don't know. Will Dame even be there? I don't know. Orlando, like, who's there? Like, how much money are they paying all these guys? I don't know. It's the least favorable between those three teams: Detroit, Milwaukee, Orlando. It's a pick. It's a pick. <laughs> in 2028, it is a 31 to 45 protected one from the Boston Celtics. And then an unprotected second rounder from Memphis Grizzlies. Shout out Isaiah Todd. Shout out the guy. Dude, honestly, two picks from that trade, right? Yeah. 
too. Yeah, the, wow. the, the swaps there were huge. Uh, and then the same goes for the Memphis pick in 2029, uh, the unprotected second-round pick there They lost as a pick well. also because of the tampering Drew Eubanks thing. So They would have had a second-round pick this year. Yeah, I believe yeah. it was six that they were going to have, but then they tampered for <laughs> a backup center, and they need a backup <laughs> center, and it would help them to trade for a backup center with another second-round pick. So, <laughs> whoops. Hey, you, you live and you learn. Four picks. Are you doing four second round picks? <laughs> but here's the thing: people's jobs are on the line. You know what I don't like is when I think I might get fired, and then someone tries to offer me picks that are five years from now, and mm-hmm. I'm like, I don't know if I'm going to yeah. be around to make that pick, that sir. True, yes. So I don't know. Um, and that's just sort of a another like ABC one two three kind of thing with the trade deadline. To understand is that picks lose value the longer they go down in in years, unless you're talking about first round picks and you're talking about first round picks that have lighter protections second round picks not so much people want second round picks right away to use them sooner so yes 2028 2029 that did get something done like the suns for example had interest in getting those but can they get someone else to have interest in them uh that remains to be seen they can to be clear like it's something to trade and a lot of these situations like remember pj tucker getting traded from the suns to the raptors yeah they got just two second round picks that were in the high 50s it was basically let's get pj to a contender those kind of things can't happen do you want to go down and see most tradable assets or just talk about it blankly because one more thing i should mention trade exceptions again this is where the campaign trade comes in they got a 6.5 million dollar trade exception so if they don't want to trade nas little they can figure out a way to keep nas little which you point out in your story today like you could still develop him and it's it's not out of the question like it you don't really have many developmental pieces on the roster at all really yeah and he's he's the one essentially outside of him and i guess if you want to count grayson allen but he's in year six right now whatever 6.5 million dollars exception Shout out campaign. $5 million. Shout out Dario Sarge. Can you combine these into $11.5 million? You sure can't, Kevin. You can't do that. Uh, can you combine them into other things? No, not really. It's basically, hey, you're getting a player that's worth $6 million. Jay Shante was one. Then that's why that one was a jump to conclusions. Mm-hmm. Here's the exception. Here's three second round picks. Yeah. There we go. And then you cut someone to make the, to make the uh, Space, player yeah. slots work. And then that's pretty much it. Um, one more note before we go uh, over to just like assets and like what they need and all that kind of earn or what they need and targets. This is the last time that they can aggregate salaries. That's a big word. A lot of combine. G- a lot of G's in there. Basically, what it means is, <laughs> again, I'm talking to myself here. Like when I read it, I'm like, what does that mean? It's like, okay, right. They can't combine player salaries. So like you talk about trading two guys for one, you can't do that anymore. Three for two, no, no. Uh, you can just do one for one trades after that. Now you can trade one of the big three for three or four players you can do that but then there's more salary crap you guys don't care about that other people smarter than me that understand this stuff better can explain to you um that's a bridge to cross when we get there i hope we never see it kev i hope we just never see that stupid bridge what if you could wave your little wand kev that you've been known to yield from wield from time to time what would you think what would you get the suns right now there's a backup point guard, mm-hmm. but that is a very specific, like, hey, you might play eight minutes, you might play 20. Depends on the night, depends on who it is. You could go get a wing who Ugh. is not going to start, but it's going to take that Josh Akogi wild card role that we talked about. Or would you go get a backup five? Can I get... I would get... 
and I don't even know who this player is. Because this is the do, choice do I need they're to have to make, I think. Yeah. I don't think they can get more than one of these things. They can get no. one of these things now and then maybe get lucky on the buyout market, which is where I lean away from backup center because I think a backup center is probably going to be available on the buyout market. Yeah. My you- whole thing is, I think, and I wrote about this on ArizonaSports.com, but you need to get someone on who's a rotation player for sure, who at very least you can re-sign or is on a multi-year deal. Because you, you don't got no no uh, no mid-level exception. None because of that, none of that they're, they're going to have to pay in taxes anyway. The Grayson Allen thing, for example, if he gets a pay raise, re-signs, then you can still trade him later because he's a good player and a good contract. Someone on a multi-year deal or yes. you retain their bird rights. Yes. So we want bird rights here. Um and you want someone who can play multiple positions. If I had the perfect player, it would be someone who can be a backup big, but also plays wing. <laughs> you know who you just described? OG Ananobi. Tory Craig. Tory Craig. <laughs> um, kind of what Bull Bull is doing right now. Yeah, pretty much. Um, but just more reliable, has a longer track record, that kind of thing. And that's why it's just hard, man. Um, I think from a versatility standpoint, that's a big one. Point guard, if you go beyond like a TJ McConnell, DeLon Wright would fit. Um, who else? DeLon, so that once we get past TJ McConnell, Monte Morris, Tyus Jones territory, yeah. any point guard after that, you're only getting one second round pick and that's it. That's all. Yeah. I'm using the exception in that, and that's it. Yeah. That's all we're doing. So, like, a DeLon Wright, actually, you look at his not playing a lot for a bad Raptors team. Wait, no, he's on the, the Wizards. Sorry. Think of what Ish Smith is on a basketball yeah. team. That's what we're talking a about. Bigger... So, it could be actually Ish Smith. Where is he right now? I don't know. <laughs> I forgot Monte Morris was on the Pistons because he's been out injured all Ish year Ish Smith much. would be good. But I'll stay on my DeLon Wright example. Decent three-point shooter, solid defender, I don't know what his injury history lately is like. Makes I think nine million. That's one where it's like okay, like you would. Ha- but the problem there is you would have to give up somebody, maybe a draft pick, exception. Um, Issues on the Charlotte Hornets making three million a year. Interesting. That'd be a great offenses moving paces up. Not a lot man. of defense, but I, I just I just need the veteran who knows, you know. Yeah, let's not take seventeen S- seconds. To floor get spacing would be a little of an issue, which is like if Jordan Goodwin. Honestly, I would give him another shot at earning rotation minutes. Maybe they will soon if he could shoot a little bit. You know we're friends, right? Yeah, you're being too picky. Yeah. Okay. They can't be this picky. Okay. You just need a basketball player. <laughs> Who can play playoff minutes? That's it. I don't care what he does. Should I go I, down? Should I, I go down I my came, list? I came very. You should in in a sec. Okay. I came very close to saying like if the Suns trade for three backup centers, I don't care as long as all three of them are good. Like it's just good meaning. I know they will be in the playoff rotation. So mm-hmm. for me, we talk about fit and need. We were a fit and need podcast for many years, talking about the NBA draft, and we're going to return back to that space right now because what I think it has to be is. Like you can talk about like point guard, whatever, whatever. No, it's like if you can get the right, if you can find a guy who you know is going to be in your playoff rotation, who you know is going to give you 14 minutes that are decent and reliable, mm-hmm. get that guy. I don't care what position they play. Again, they could be a point guard and they're only going to play 12 minutes. What's realistic to get? Get Mon- that guy. Monte Morris would be that guy, you're saying. 
I don't know because like last year Obi Toppin went for two second round picks and I was yeah. like, what? Yeah. And KJ Martin did, but now KJ Martin is probably available for that same kind of yeah, price again. True. You think you know and you think guys are out of the realm of possibility. You're like, no, Obi Toppin has too much potential and then wham. It's like, no, like we don't want to pay him. Here you go. Whatever. Um, the Suns would love that type of opportunity to arise. I don't know if there are any type of candidates like that who are first round picks coming off of their deals who were like bird rights are retained, restricted rights are retained. Is there anyone special like that that kind of comes to mind? Um, you're putting together the, the list, I think, tomorrow. So I think that would be my call to you is like, is there an Obi Toppin that exists out there? <sighs> the names that I mentioned were those point guards. I, I proposed like the, I'm not really going to call about Dorian Finney-Smith, but I'm going to call about Dorian Finney-Smith just to like tear down to Royce O'Neal when all of a sudden <laughs> I really wanted Royce O'Neal. Torrey Craig makes a lot of sense. We've talked about Kenrich Williams for multiple years. I think that backup center not only is one of those things where it's just definitively easy. Like if Andre Drummond's on this team, your team is better because he offers some of the passing that Nurkic does, not nearly to his level, but he just gives you rebounding in that. Again, can you play him for 20 minutes in the postseason? No, but you don't need to. You just need an impact guy at times over that stretch, and that's what he can be. Um, there's a weird thing going on in Orlando where Gogo Batadze yeah. was playing well, but now he's not in, even in the rotation anymore. It's worth a call. Jeff Green's playing for Houston, but Houston kind of isn't that good. And he's on, I believe he's on a two year deal and is someone that you could retain for over a year and you could just really fully uh, in, embrace small ball. Hey. Uh, and then reunite one of the greatest videos uh, the internet's ever seen. What's up? Is Reggie Bullock on the Rockets still? Mm-hmm. Not playing much? Nope. He was good last year. Can shoot, can defend. Was he good last year? Yeah. Okay. Just checking. <laughs> Was it last year? I don't know. Mm. Should I go down my list? Yep. A lot of these are going to be like a hard no, but... Hey, safe space. Jordan Wara was traded already, was just on the back end of that Pacers roster, not getting minutes, and then guess what? He gets traded to the Raptors, and he already had a 24-point game. I don't know what the Raptors are doing. He's from around there, so they're probably going to keep him, but he's 25, can score, wing, big wing. It's probably off the board now. Cody Martin, multi-year contract. Love Cody Martin. Probably not going to get traded, but he seven was mil, seven um, eight mil. He was a guy where when I was doing the fake trade thing that nearly broke me last offseason with Da and uh, Chris. He was. I think I had a Cody Martin deal in there, and I love Cody Martin. I don't know what the Hornets big are Cody doing. Martin guy. That's a really good contract, so they really shouldn't. No Bulls. I don't know what's going to happen with Caruso. I don't think that you can get him, but that's one of those where maybe just nothing comes up for anyone. What is else? it? The doorman of the club? Is that the guy who, like lets you in or not? I guess. I don't even think they're letting bouncer, you on the street of the club the bouncer, that Caruso not, is on. No, yeah, no. that's not happening, brother. Dasunmu, I don't know. Io Dasunmu, get the name right. Come on, he's a longtime friend of the podcast. You were his what? guy. What did I say? You didn't say his name right, and that's all I, I heard. I didn't say his first name. You said it 96% right, but I need that last 4% out of you because you were the guy who was like, the Sun should probably take this guy in the second yes, round, I and was. then he turned out to be good. So Energy, I need you to hold that. can make plays, defend. 
I'd be down. Iowa would be tremendous, but I think the problem is the Bulls are going through this yeah. thing where they're like, they don't know. What I they're think doing. we just have to like kind of like have Kobe and Io play a ton because yeah. they look pretty good, and then whatever else the rest of this is, I don't know. It'll sort itself out in three to five years. Are there any Pistons on your list? There's probably some Killian Hayes. I don't know if that was a real report. I saw that he wants out, but that that doesn't seem like it would be good. You liked him though coming out. Have you ever not wanted to go someplace so bad that you elected to have surgery? <laughs> that was wild. <laughs> Look it up. I'm not going to talk about it. The Pacers really, the guys you want are all in the rotation, and they are just shooing like five guys in. It's like a hockey lineup. I don't think that they would break that up. So we're going to pass on any Pacers. I thought you were about to go sticks. That would have been crazy. Oof. James Johnson's what? Is he still on a 10-day? And he's friends with like KD, was on the Nets, I believe, with them. If you want to oversized wing to fight people buyout though buyout bio guy the raptors james johnson's a person he's not just a fighter come on be nice i know he's a good basketball player but i don't know if he's too old now i think he's too i'm ageist for sure i'm not gonna say it out loud because he could roundhouse kick me in the ear and yeah existence for me james johnson could be the buyout candidate of the year the tim thomas of this year if i want to I loved Tim Thomas. <laughs> uh, he was so great. That, was that three against the Lakers was, oh, what a great moment in franchise history. He did the Caitlin Clark thing before Caitlin Clark, actually. He sure did. Uh, the Raptors have a lot of interesting guys. We have our old friend, Garrett Temple. <laughs> Kevin's been trying to get Garrett Temple on the sun since I met him. Like, I met him eight years ago, and it's been a lifelong pursuit for him. Look at, I would love look it at this list, though. Okay. Chris Boucher, I don't know what's happening with him, but he's a little redundant. He makes too much RIP money. RIP Pac-12. Probably no. Jalen McDaniels is on a reasonable contract and does not play a lot. That is was, he hurt? That was a weird, like, hey, Jalen McDaniels on the, on the Sixers. Okay, no, he's on the Raptors. Someone can fact-check me if he's actually been playing since the Siakam trade, but I don't know. Otto Porter is there. A reasonable $6.3 million contract, and he's Otto Porter. Did we have this discussion like two years ago or something about Otto Porter? I was about to say we're f- we're nearly there. That's not good that we're... Jalen McDaniels is dipping things. and ducking and diving in and out of that rotation. Darko is playing him here and there. Okay. Two games here, three games there, games off in between, four minutes there, a minute there. Not really playing that much. Otto Porter is... He's only is what auto- I talked about last week, where I'm worried about the TJ Warren Terrence Ross zone. Yeah, do you put all your eggs in the basket of a guy who might not be in the league next year? I don't know. I haven't seen Otto Porter play basketball in over a year. So right, that's the weird thing. Yeah, and he's only like 30 or something or 32. I don't know which, but mm-hmm. it, it might not be good. Um, that that was the end of my list. But the point is, all those names that are probably like eh. What do you give up? Do you give up on Nas Little? Do you throw together a couple of the minimum guys who you think are not going to be part of the rotation the last time to aggregate them and get a bigger contract that's a little more tradable? Well, you want it to be a multi-year deal so that you don't have just never to to use it and, and use that contract that that person's on to become more assets. So I just I just think the big thing for me is you do ideally want to aggregate some salary if you see a good player who's on a multi-year deal you could trade later or is also part of your rotation like you wouldn't do it unless they you think they're part of your rotation and then work the buyout market and that's where i think they're at i don't think you can even 
really package these second round picks to some great degree to convince someone, oh, suddenly I will trade Alex Caruso for your two second round picks in the next century. Like they're 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 pretty not in a great place, but I will say that there are moves you can do or even just sitting still if you don't get anything good where there could theoretically present more opportunity at next offseason. And I know that's like pushing for this season and just rolling with your roster, but if that does happen, I'm preparing people to say, okay, like there wasn't anything there. Because, like, I'm very sure the Suns are trying, whatever are the rumors are. They're trying to find something right now. Yeah, I, I think next year is probably the year to be the most aggressive. But then again, everyone's healthy right now. Mm-hmm. Do you know if that's going to happen again? I don't know. And it's um, weird because, like, you can't look three or two years down the road even. Like, you just want to give yourself, if nothing lands for this year, this year's team, you need to try to get something done for next year's team. Two years down the road, don't worry about that. Two no years point. down the road is Kevin Durant on an expiring contract. Don't worry. Yeah, <laughs> don't don't worry about that. That is a different conversation for a different day. Josh Kogan and Damian Lee, I think Gerald was the one who tweeted this, have veto rights on trades. Uh, I think that Kogi and Damian are probably the two guys right now where, assuming Damian is closer, like is he going to play by March? I've been saying beginning of March seems reasonable. Um, with no information on that. Those are the two guys that probably another team would be like, yeah, we'll take, but throw in da-da-da and we'll make it work. Those seems like the guys to me. I don't know about KBD. All these guys have certain fans around the league. Like, that's the thing. Like, KBD, Eubanks, Watanabe, Metu, Bull, Goodwin have all shown enough to have some sort of optimism around the league. But I just don't know how much it's going to fetch you and how much you're going to want to be willing to do that like that wild card spot i think it's probably just going to be damian lee in the rotation if i had to guess right now who that Ooh. ninth guy in the rotation yeah. is going to be it's probably going to be damian lee and it, and it should be because he was pretty solid last year and i thought was underrated last year and i think he's gonna if he's able to come in and look like himself coming off the meniscus injury and just play as hard as he did defensively last year and shoot the ball the way he did last year it's it's better than what they've been playing with lately uh for sure we will be back on Thursday after the deadline, unless the Suns clearly make the trade that is like they make a trade on Tuesday or Wednesday that is worth coming here about. If there is, we'll do it. Um, and I'm guessing, like, I don't think that the like if the Delon right for a second round pick thing happens, I don't think we're gonna breaking pod on Tuesday night. Um, but we'll be back at the very least. We're gonna be back on Thursday when the deadline's over, regardless. Um, unless the Suns make a huge like four or five second round picks swaps are included and they get like an impact player on Tuesday or Wednesday or later this night Monday night we'll see it's that time of year where we do that this is my first trade deadline without caffeine man I'm, I'm nervous oh none nervous <laughs> how do people do it man I wouldn't know I'm gonna find out good luck Need that it. sprite, that sprite without the caffeine. Need what do you it. drink? What do you do? I drink water, brother. <laughs> That's all this gallbladderless <laughs> fellow guy person. can handle right now. We're we're working our way back. I could dabble, but it just doesn't seem like the week to like try, you know? Because then I nuke my entire week. I just can't do that right now. That's too much information. Caleb Love <laughs> is Pac-12 Player of the Year, everyone. If you don't think so, I think you're a fool. Goodbye, everyone. Good cats talk there, yeah.